Don't Tap Podcast. Don't Tap Podcast. Follow me on Twitter. Hey, I'm UFC President Dana White, and you're in the ring with Callum McGregor. Okay, Don't Tap Podcast, PFL Championship Special Edition. Um, we're going to dig in today. I have picks as I usually would, um, looking at three um, main big spots anyways. Um, we have a parlay, we have a dog, we have a prop, and I'm going to touch on first the championship, um, or the main event, well, we'll talk, they're, they're all championships, but the main event, which be, would be OAM against Clay Collard, but before I get into that, quickly, um, now obviously, upon recording this, Bellator and PFL are officially, I wouldn't really call it a merger as much as they're absorbing Bellator. Um, initially, it looks like they're going to probably play out a certain amount of Bellator cards and probably build some storylines or do what they can to build build up certain fighters um, in order to be able to bleed them over into the PFL into tournaments. It's going to be interesting to see how long they can run that for. Is it going to be like a WCW, WWF um, sort of storyline, bleed over for a little while? Very interesting. Um, I'm interested to see all the matchups. I'm interested to see who maybe jumps ship when this happens in this merger. Because there's probably going to be a lot of money thrown around, and it might be hard to walk away from. I know Patchy Mix, and congratulations to him um, on winning the Bellator Grand Prix. Patchy Mix has even said, you know, he, he doesn't necessarily need to jump ship to the UFC. He's happy with sort of flying under the radar in that second, you know, promotion and uh, making that money. So, anyways, definitely interesting. And Rafi and Stotts, congratulations again. I know that uh, we're pretty happy for you. So, um, let's move to the, the PFL um, card. We have OAM going up against Clay Collard. Um, for me, OAM's likely going to be going into a parlay, but um, I could see him either, if you can get like a round, probably round five decision, um, that would be the way I would look at this one. I think Clay Collard, where I see this fight playing out is, and you saw this with Shane uh, Burgos, who was able to sort of chop away at that leg. Um, and multiple people have done this to Clay Collard because he's pretty heavy on that front leg with that boxing style. Um, but he's relentless, and he, he'll fight you on one leg if he has to. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to see OAM chop away at that leg, chop away at that leg, and uh, it's definitely going to, you know, it, it, it's it's just a matter of time, I think. I think he's going to start landing that, and it's, it's likely going to be a late finish. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Collard went all the way and we saw a decision. Um, if we look at OAM, his record 25-0, uh, um, Collard coming in at 24-10-0. Um, both guys, I mean, roughly around the same size, OAM 5-10, Collard coming in at 6-10. Um, and if you look at the reach differential, I mean, Collard's got a, you know, a three inch reach advantage, um, with the hands. And I mean, for me, I, it's, I just think it's going to really be, it's fight IQ. That's what we're looking at here. Fight IQ. We have, um, likely a lead leg that's going to get chopped down. Um, Collard's going to look to close the distance, potentially get taken down. Maybe a sub, um, a late sub, but I definitely could see like a rear naked choke or something along those lines in the fourth, um, or fifth round. Um, as I'm seeing that more and more, I just think that, you know, a lot of people have been able to chop away that lead leg of Clay Collard, but not really put him away. And then it's a greasy split decision where he's outlanded his opponent, even though his leg's been chopped out. Um, so I just think that you're probably going to see a different level with OAM as an opponent. I think he's going to be able to take him down and take advantage of the lead leg when he takes it out. And I, I know that I can only imagine that's got to be the game plan. If not, even just take him down really early and just exploit that disadvantage on the ground. Um, so give me OAM. If you look at the lines, there's not really, 
let's take a look. You know what? I'm talking about the idea of a, a late finish. So let's see what the under four and a half looks like. Minus 100. Man, I, I, I like that. I think that might be a spot I actually even add to my card. Um, under four and a half rounds, minus 100 right now could be had a pinnacle. Um, I like that. Because I think that a lot of people will expect the durability of Collard to go the distance. But what you find is um, when there's a little bit of a levels thing against some of his opponents. Like, I'm not... Shane Burgos is really solid. But even with Burgos, Burgos, I'm not... Like, he, he's at a level. His wrestling solid. His stand-up is very solid. And, you know, he was touted big going into the PFL. And I just saw, sort of saw holes in that when he was going in. Um, a lot of the guys at the PFL will be able to beat him. You know, he's not top five, in my opinion. Um... OAM is, and I, I think that, uh, you know, in the right circumstance, in the right matchups, at least in the PFL, um, OAM is definitely top five, and I know people are going to criticize me for saying Burgos is maybe not top five even in PFL, especially now as the influx of talents coming in. I just don't know. I, I don't see it. I think he's top ten for sure. It's no disrespect to him. He's an amazing fighter. Um, but I just think that now fighting OAM, he's going to be able to exploit things that Burgos cannot. And I think that that's going to be the difference in this one. I think that OAM is going to be able to potentially get that submission. Um, if we're going to look at that submission prop, actually, let's, let's mess, around, mess around with this. I, I, I Like I said, I, I like the under 4.5 at minus 100. But if you were to take um, OAM wins in round 4, wins in round 5, plus 1,000, uh, plus, 1, plus 1,400 for round 5, um, if you want to get crazy with the submission as well, too, you can do that. Um, OAM by submission right now is plus 230. I may, may, I'm talking this one out as we go. I was actually leading the decision initially, but I just think he's actually going to be able to exploit a broken wheel. And I think the broken wheel is coming. If not, be able to just sort of show you the different level and um, takedown ability that he has and be able to exploit those holes. Um by just creating better entries and then getting in there and getting in on the hips cleaner, being able to chain wrestle. Just, he's so fast, everything. He's there first. Um, and then just scoop, get him down. And when he gets him down, I think he's able to submit him. I think we can see a rear naked choke. So uh, the plus 230 is something that's screaming at me for that one. I may actually add that to the card. Um, but I, I think that the under four and a half is probably one of the best ways to play this one. I, I think it doesn't go to the decision. Um, so the under four and a half for me will be my play. Minus 100. But I wouldn't hate you if you sprinkled the sub. I think the sub is the way to go in this one. Because um, Collar doesn't go out. He's one of those tough motherfuckers. He'll drop. Goes to get up. Next gets taken back. Gets taken. You see this regularly. Called it with Brendan Allen. Um, let's do it. Yeah. You know what? The, the plus 230 will be a, something I throw out there too. But I do like the under four and a half as I get redundant and uh, repetitive. As I, as I roll. Um, okay, next fight. And this is actually my first play officially as I sort of talked myself into another play off the main event. Always, as, as you know, on the top podcast, I'll try to touch on the main event no matter what. Even if I didn't have an official play, found that one. Now I move to my, my main play. Um, and it's sort of bittersweet because both guys have the ROI of, a, of you know, the, the ROI is just nice. It's nice. Kasangane uh, on a huge, huge tear, as his good friend uh, Aaron Jeffrey has mentioned, um, since joining the PFL, since making the decision to go up to 205 and not having to cut and destroy himself, um, he's just found a home. And, he, you know, he's smaller, but he's faster and so powerful. Going in against Josh Silvara, who's a guy I backed quite heavily, a guy who's talked to me on 
online as well too. Pretty open, pretty nice guy. Such an easygoing guy. Um, Josh Silvera now. Um, the guy that you pretty much can look at a submission, a rear naked choke. He's just a backpack. Um, so definitely, you know, somewhat, it's it's a conflict for me. It, it was a hard one. But then if you look at the matchup, it's just, I got to go with Impa in this one. And um, there's multiple reasons that we can talk talk this one through. Um, you know, if you look at, let, let's first look at the tail of the tape. We have Silvera coming in 12-1-0. Kisangana coming in at 14-3-0. Uh, um, the height difference, not too much. Silvera, uh, 6-1. Kisangana. 511 both guys obviously 205 75 inch reach for both of them so Kasangane's got that reach on them that are made up the difference in a little bit of height difference um and leg reach virtually the same so the one thing that i want to you know look at in the stats and i love pfl for this is um the hand speed of Kasangane is, is it's far faster um it, it's definitely going to be a problem and i think it's going to be one of the main sort of edges in this fight so I had to watch, you know, multiple fights and, and sort of see if Silvera is going to be able to close that distance, break down uh, Kasangane and submit him, you know, and I think he's just, Kasangane's just gotten better with every camp with his footwork, um, doesn't leave too many entries, but at the same time, there's guys, you know, this is probably one of his greatest challenges for keeping it on the feet that he's probably faced. Um, but then, then again, you know, if we look at Silvera, the issue that he had, um, against his actual, you know, teammate was Akhmedov, he basically, once he was stuffed, he, he started to get discouraged. He was out left, out left, like left on the feet with someone who sort of, I guess, knew some of his holes. Maybe that was part of it. Um, and he just qu couldn't quite finish the show. And then he started getting tied up on the feet. Um, and for me, I was, I was backing Silvera in that fight. I didn't see it coming. I thought he was going to be able to, to get his, his, you know, teammate down and, and knock made of and, and maybe even submit him out as well too, but at least dominate him on the ground. Not the case. Um, and for me, although there'll be leaps and bounds in, in gains and growth since then, 100%, and I do believe that, I just think that he's got to close that distance, you know, and or beg input to close that distance. And both things don't sound nice to me. And that's just it. And so if he goes to close that distance, he's going to get caught with an uppercut, caught with a hook, and, and not just one, but like three in a flurry. And it just, it's not like it's, it's scary in every aspect. Even if he has to stuff, try to stuff a takedown, he gets on top with a little bit of a headlock and starts throwing hammer fists. Everything's fast and very powerful and damaging. So you're going to have to face that first. So if I'm looking at win conditions, I'm looking at a sub versus a KO, the KO has a chance first before the sub does, and that's not a, I'm not saying that's a marker. It's just, do I see Silvera really being able to close that distance? Well, he runs a kicking game and sort of stays on the outside and, and you know, waits for sort of a mistake or an opening. But, you know, if he runs a kicking, any kind of kicking game, Impa's going to start timing those kicks and start landing big shots. And... He just closes distance so fast, and I mean, that, I guess that's where Silvera is going to have to sort of bite down on his mouthpiece and just get in on those hips, um, like maybe a blast double. But I just, I don't know. I, if, if you look at it, like even with talking with Aaron, um, and you can see it on Impa's page, but I mean, he's been training with, you know, um, GM3, so he's, he's in there. Um, with some of the top guys. He's in there with Brendan Allen. He's in there with, um, you know, even Jason Jackson, who just won the Bellator title. And I know that's more hands, but 
you know, he's in there with some of the top guys right now training and Aaron Jeffrey, who's in there just trying to drag him down to the mat every day, you know, so they're investing time with him. Um, Gerald Mearshart, a guy on the ground, probably one of the trickiest guys on the ground. So someone to try to emulate Silvera on the ground, very good person to have in that situation. Um, having Aaron Jeffrey try to drag him down the cage and drag him out that that's that's what you want man you want some of these guys in there mark andre barrio like there's there's that room is full of, of high quality guys um so yeah and Brendan allen is possibly man that the ceiling now is just getting higher and higher for him so just to be in that room and now he is now potentially chasing greatness in another championship belt to, you know it, it momentum is real it really really is um and not to take anything away from att and you know where silvera is at and not to take anything away from him but i just think that he's gonna get caught at some point like it's just gonna happen on the feet this is not close i don't think and, and i think a lot of people are making it closer than it actually is um although silvera's striking is you know pretty pretty sound um it's just not the power level. The the power difference is it's just not the same thing. And, and it's not like Kusangane is just this big looping puncher. He has some tight, fast, flurry combinations. Uh, it's it's scary. So I give me give me Kusangane. Um, I already put the play out earlier in the week, and it will be just on the YouTube channel moving forward. You'll see the actual early card come out. Well, you'll just have like like a card ticket saying what my plays are early. Um, Kasangane minus 160 money line was my first play. Kasangane KO plus 165, my next play. Um, I just, you know, I, I, like I said, love Josh Silvera. I just think that even if Kasangane gets taken down, I think he's going to be able to get crafty enough to get back to the feet or even work it off the cage if it only gets there. And it's just going to be up to Josh Silvera to really be a smothering like that. He's going to have to go for that in the takedown and that's it. Cause if, if we're looking at striking, it's just Kasangane is a, sledgehammer having that extra weight on not having to cut the weight just proved really well for like worked really well for him um so give me Imba Kasangane as my main play of the week okay next play that I'm going to take a look at um is one that some people may not want to jump on right away but I think we forgot who this woman is it's uh, Kayla Harrison lines you know obviously pretty wide and uh, obviously, you know, she, she used to be minus 2,000 or whatever the fuck it was back in the day. Um, but we got Kayla Harrison coming in at 15-1-0 against Aspen Ladd, 11-4-0 on short notice. Um, Harrison has two-inch reach advantage, I'm um, sorry, two-inch height advantage at 5-8 versus 5-6. Next, we're looking at their reach, exactly the same. Um, a lot of people don't think that Aspen Ladd, you know... She's sort of given up on herself in the past. It's It's been proven in the cage. But then again, we don't know everything that goes into fights. It's I, easy for me to be a couch warrior and sit here and talk about it when, you know, we don't know what's going on in her life, gone on in training camps and, and over a span of even a two-year span, you know, why the weight cuts happen, whatever the hell it all is. But here's my thing. Yes, she doesn't get finished easily. But this is, like, what is she good at versus what is Kayla good at? Do we think that Atlad is going to outstrike her on the feet or be crafty enough to keep her off of her hips? Because we know Harrison's just going to look to take her down and smash her and make a really big point. She's going to have to make a big point with this merger. Kayla Harrison's a, a marketing machine. She knows this as well, too. This is her sort of, you know, calling card back. Um, this is the inside the distance play. She's going to make Lad quit. She's going to beat her up pretty bad. I think it's going to be a TKO on the ground, not a submission. Lad be a little bit harder to submit, but Kayla Harrison would be able to do it. But I think she's going to have to smash her a little bit and uh, beat her up, make her quit on the ground. Um, we're going to look at 
Kayla Harrison TKO, but Kayla Harrison inside the distance to be safe is minus 150. Um, some people might say that's chalk for a finish play. Not for Kayla Harrison, I'll take it. Minus 150 Kayla Harrison inside the distance. If you look at this prop play, it may have changed a little bit in the line. Let's see where we are just to double check to make sure, but uh, minus 150 Kayla Harrison inside the distance. I don't know. It feels like a no-brainer to me. Maybe I'm, I'm sort of fading um, Aspen Ladd a little bit, but I don't think so, man. I really, really, really don't. Um, yeah, I mean, she's minus 1,000 now. So maybe the inside the distance has now gone up since I posted it. Harrison, inside the distance, minus 180. Um, but that's going to be the advantage to getting on the YouTube. Um, you guys got to start, you know, anybody listening that's not, um, you know, if they're on Instagram or whatever else or wherever else, you got to like, like, share, subscribe. Um, I'm going to start really pushing things towards the YouTube page. And, uh, this play, amongst everything else, has been out on Twitter earlier, out on Instagram earlier. But for now, what we're going to look at is, it, you know, it's changed to minus 180. I'm still with it. Um, I'd still throw money on that chuck because I just, it's just she's going to finish her inside the distance. You can you can round bet if you want. You can get sort of clever with it, but I just think it's going to happen. Um, so for me, give me Kayla Harrison. The initial play was minus 150, um, and that was posted a little bit earlier in the week. Okay, so next play will be, um, we're going to take a look at a fight that's happened twice already in, in PFL that's not a secret that, you know, this is something you're going to see pretty regularly um, over the course of a certain amount of years. If you're fighting in tournaments, you're going to see guys multiple times. Um, Chris Wade, first in the first match, fought Bob Jenkins and surprised him, um, was able to be the underdog. We were on that play, um, and Chris Wade was able to beat Bubba Jenkins, um, not so much the second time around. And there was a difference in the fight, you know, Pretty obvious one, actually, if you look even at just the stats. If you look at Wade in the first fight, he was able to A, when they were on the ground, attack more submissions, um, and then B, he was able to actually land um, a lot more on the feet and was a lot more, you know, a lot more active. And, you know, with these guys fighting so much, you never know if guys are fighting with injuries. You never know what happened last fight. And, you know, as much as I can play on that idea and a whimsical thought and try to go for, you know, Chris Wade as a dog. I just think Bubba Jenkins, who upped his volume on his strikes, who got better at his striking, people have said there's some durability things, and that's what's being sort of chopped around. But, I mean, yeah, he has been dropped at points and set up. But um, for me, I just think Bubba Jenkins, the wrestling is likely going to just be the thing that just smothers Chris Wade again. I just think that it's going to play the difference, make the difference, and that's his striking gets better and better. When you get let a wrestler get better and better at striking, there, that's the best base to have. And he's gotten better and better. And I just think that, you know, these two have fought. And I think this is going to play out much similar to um, the last fight. Give me Bubba Jenkins in this one. Give me by decision. A plus 110. Still sitting around right around now. Don't tap parlay this week is going to be Ray Cooper the third and Kayla Harrison. Um, you can add OAM to that. I don't know what the extra value would be on that if you want to. But we're going to just go with the two-piece. It's been working. It's been hitting. Um, I like Ray Cooper the third. I think his, his wrestling and anti-wrestling is pretty solid. Um, on, on top of that, too, his striking is just... He, he lands that, that power. Um, I just... I appreciate it. I appreciate how he, he, he wants to get in the pocket. He wants to bang. Um, and the guy doesn't really let up. Now, coming in against a guy like Brunson, and a lot of people are jumping on this dog value, and, and am I just jumping on the fate of the belt of sort the fate of the the UFC coming over to PFL and not quite, you know, 
playing out exactly the way a PFL sort of wants to. They sort of set these fights up for some of these UFC guys to not necessarily win, but if they do win, they can sort of propel them further, and they're not really stepping up. Um, you know, Shane Burgos obviously being one. Now, I shouldn't judge, you know, one guy off of what another guy's going to do, but just for me, Brunson at 39 years old, Brunson in his last two fights just didn't look the same at back Brunson, blonde Brunson, quite heavily. Um, is there a chance that, you know, people are making been making jokes? Can Is, is Brunson going to come in even more in shape all of a sudden out of the blue being in PFL? I don't know. A lot of people got caught for that, so I don't think that's going to be the play, and I'd never suggest that he do that, but um, him coming in off those two losses just, just doesn't sit well with me. I think that uh, Cooper's going to be able to close the distance on him and touch that chin, and even if Brunson does take him down at points, Cooper's going to be able to scramble enough to make him gas. And You know, he said he's been running, he says he's been doing these things and trying to change things up, but for me, I just like Cooper in this one, and I've already spoken on what I think about with the Harrison. So give me Cooper and Harrison. The parlay, when I put it out, was minus 140. It may be a little bit chalkier at this point. You may not want to be on it, or you may want to add OAM to it, and I'm okay with you getting that hedge bet in um, for yourself. I mean, it's up to you how you want to play it. But um, for me, I liked that line out there earlier in the week. I like how it's set up. I, I just think that uh, I guess I'm off the Brunson train, right? I, I'm off it now. And I think I'm on the other side of it now. And I, I'll back Cooper in the past, and I just think that Ray Cooper the third wins this one. Harrison wins her fight, and that's a great little minus 140 if you got in on it. If not, it may be sitting around. I don't know what it would work out to. I'm taking a complete guess. Maybe it's minus 180 at this point. I do not know. Um, just trying to press and, and get as many people on, on the podcast as much as possible. So we will push with MMA Minefield, your favorite fighter's favorite podcast. For now, Don't Tap Podcast. We got our picks. We got our plays. Tune into the Don't Tap Podcast.